Guys, if you're over 30, you're gonna wanna hear this. Every year after puberty, HGH, human growth hormone, the hormone responsible for workout recovery, performance, metabolism, and even libido, starts to decline sometimes by 50% by age 35. Doesn't matter who you are, how hard you train, or how good you eat, it just happens, because we get old. That's where BioPro Plus comes in. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH growth hormone treatments. All the benefits of synthetic HGH without any of the needles, side effects, doctor visits. Best part of BioPro Plus, it works fast. It's easy to use and 100% safe. It's been trusted by physicians since 2009, and its benefits can be felt in just days instead of months. Guys who use BioPro Plus have experienced faster workout recovery, enhanced performance, metabolism, sexual function, and even better mood and energy. Want to fix the way you perform, look, and feel without all the risk of big pharma synthetic stuff? BioPro Plus. Click on the link in our bio show notes to learn more. I tried BioPro Plus myself and I love it. If you put your body through the ringer like I have, then I think you're gonna love it too. Now, that's what I'm paid to say. Here's what actually happened. These two little white boxes show up in the mail. One that has ampules in it that you take first thing in the morning, and one that has ampules that you take at the end of the day. Within 12 days, because you're taking one ampule in the morning, one ampule at night, and by day 12, I went into the gym, and I'm not kidding you, everything was lighter. My pull-ups, I already could knock out 20. I'm a year away from being 50 years old. I do sets of 20. But this was the first time in a while where I can get up there and knock out sets of 20 plus. Now you add in weights, right? Bench, press, squat, deadlift, all your big basics. Everything was significantly lighter. I also noticed that I was getting more done during the day. My mood was probably better, but because I'm antisocial, there's no one around me to tell me that I was in a good mood. But I felt like I was in a good mood. <laughs> anyway, BioPro Plus, it works. And then when I got off of it, because I did test, okay, let's see what happens when I get off. Things I noticed when I was off is that my joints went back to kind of achiness that I didn't notice before. Um, especially in my shoulders and my knees, which have injuries. So that achiness kind of came back. So of course, I immediately got back on it and continued the journey and will continue the journey. So make sure you check out BioPro Plus. Check them out. Click on the link in our bio show notes to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hey, everyone. I hope everyone's doing well, staying safe out there. Uh, just want to cover a couple of things. We got the ready room over there at clintemerson.com. Gives you skill videos, community, all kinds of talking head moments with me, exclusive content, making you a little more safe and secure, increasing your survivability. Uh, and that's it. That's the only housekeeping I've got. So today we have 
a former Green Beret, a Special Forces medic, a Special Forces weapons sergeant, and author. John Brewer, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Awesome. Good you're here. How long you been out? Uh, well, actually, uh, just recently I got out of the guard, but from active duty, it's been since uh, 2020. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, recent compared to me. I retired in like uh, 2015, 15, 16. Yeah, it's been a while. It goes yeah. by fast, does it not? Oh, it does. No, it absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. And actually, the years got to blend together after uh, you don't really have any milestones to really gauge how time passes. So it's I always get confused with the years and dates now. It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I never actually put it together. There's no milestones. I just figured I was just, everything was blurry for me. Yeah, I don't know. We're just floating through life now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, hey, good to have you on the show. And uh, as usual, we're going to start off with the rapid fire. So are you ready? I am. All right, here we go. DA or FID? Uh, I'd have to go FID. FID, wow. All right. Okay, both of these are in slow motion. Okay? Mm -hmm. Slow motion. Your testicle in a vice, okay, as it cranks down, or a pencil in the eye. Slow motion. Pencil in the eye. <laughs> uh, fast rope or rappel? Uh, I'd say uh, fast rope, but it's it's close. Fast rope, yes. Wound or kill? Hmm. Wound. Wound. Uh, ask for forgiveness or ask for permission? Ask for forgiveness always. <laughs> uh, be the sniper or be the tank? Be the sniper. Yeah. Okay. These choices are the four-year-old version of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Play with your poop or poop on a friend? Poop on a friend. Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I... I don't think in any age I want to play with my poop, but yeah, uh, poop on a friend. Poop on a friend, he chooses. Okay. Um, hump it in or jump it in? Mm. Well, I got to say that I never uh, got to the halo, so uh, and I don't like airborne operations, so we'll say hump it in, even though that's not fun either. It's just something more familiar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Enlisted or officer? Enlisted. <clears throat> yeah, the enlisted guys are always better. Danger close or avoid danger? Mm. It's two ways of looking at that. It's a tough one. It is close. I would say avoid danger. <laughs> avoid I, danger. Especially uh, for the topic of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, going back to the top. Good job. Um, DA versus Fed. I. I put this in here really to open up like, what are those? And I think a lot of people, when it comes to the differences between all the different special operation units, um, you know, FID stands out because of the history of the Green Berets and you picked FID. So educate us on it. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, let it be known that I'm not an expert by any means. And that, and that, you know, the definition has been blurred over time. And I think, 
even now it's it's not exactly what it should be in 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 real you know real time uh but i mean essentially it's making sure whatever stable government uh that we support stays that way and and that can look in a variety of different ways hopefully most of the part is, is diplomatic so diplomatic relations and just making sure they have the ability to support themselves as a country and then also defend themselves as a country and then <clears throat> but lately obviously with terrorism and things like that you know terrorism tries to create that instability and so you really you know so uh fid then branches off to a multitude of different things and some of that is da and you know a lot of other type of mission sets but for the most part it's just making sure that uh you know the governments that uh, that the us agrees with stays stable and and is able to operate uh you know within their uh boundaries and 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 don't have anything kind of you know messing with their with their shit sort of sort of speak yeah and I always get it. It's foreign. What again? I forget. Fitness. Internal defense. That's right. Foreign internal defense. There you go, people. And um, yeah. So what I know, we don't. You know, seals. We sometimes get thrown into it, but we're not trained for it, which is always a bad idea. And yeah. uh, you know, we end up usually screwing it up. Um, well, because... what it's what it's turned into lately is basic training, which is a part of it. But that's you know a lot of a lot of times when. Um, even now which you know now they have the um i'm going to forget what their unit is called but they're supposed to be handing over the training aspect of uh of fit to where they go in and they're making sure that uh you know they're training their uh military forces up to a certain standard uh whatever that looks like uh but that's i mean that's what fit has turned into for the most part you know based off um you know politics and things of that nature but you know it's a little bit more than just putting soldiers in another country through basic training it's a uh, you know, obviously it could be, like I said, a multitude of things. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. In simplest form for listeners that don't know, you know, this foreign internal, you're going to, you know, an ally ideally, and you're training their forces and making them better. Um, and a lot of times in the green berets like you, they get the, you know, language training and they get the education that supports it so that they can go in there and represent the United States uh, politically correctly, really. And um, mm -hmm. did you go to language schools and all that as well? Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, just the normal language school that we go to. So I was, um, I got Arabic. Uh, so I was, uh, and then that eventually that sent me to fifth group. So, um, so yeah, I did. Uh, and, it, you know, now, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's still at the end of the course and everybody has to go through it. But when they thought that World War III was going to pop off for a second, you know, they were even thinking that maybe Green Berets didn't need that. And they were going to, uh, you know, just send guys uh, overseas uh, or, you know, graduate them from the course without language. But that's all been corrected and, you know, everything's kind of cooled down from there. But, yeah, language is uh, standard when it comes to the Q course. Yeah. And then how long how long is your Arabic? How long is that training? Uh, the school? Uh, yeah. six months, six yeah. months. I mean, okay. yeah, I think every, I mean, everything's six months cause they want to standardize it. But I think at one point in time, Spanish and French were a little bit shorter, but I think yeah. they just made it six months just to keep everybody together. Yeah. Keep the calendars aligned. Yeah. Um, and then Q course itself. And for those that don't know, you know, give the, give the, the dummies version of what Q course is. Yeah. So, I mean, the. 
the Q course for dummies version is, you know, it's just pretty much the the training course for Green Berets, just like basic training is for new recruits for the military or yeah, for the military. And then the Q course is just whatever the standard is across the board, you know, you know, that's what's instructed. And then <clears throat> that's the that's kind of like the baseline for a Green Beret to to know the fundamentals. And then when they get to the team, you know, there's stuff added on to, but the Q course itself is about a year long. And then also for medics, it's a little longer because their courses um, within itself is a year and some change. And um, so, yeah, it's just the basic training, uh, basic uh, soldier task for a Green Berets training yeah. course. There you go. And uh, yeah, I'm like you. I went through 18 Delta as well. It was awesome probably one of the best schools in the United States military. I've referenced it a couple of times, but at Special Operations Medical School, you can't find anything better. You come out of there a trauma god. You're doing uh, – you learn how to do really, really cool stuff. And uh, okay. and you hope you never have to use it, but in my case, I had to use it. I'm sure you had to use it. Uh, we'll dig into that. Next choice, nut in the vice or pencil in the eye, all in slow motion. Right. You pick the pencil yeah, so in the when- eye. Yeah. Yeah. Anything testicles <laughs> I'm staying away from. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it doesn't matter what else, you know, it is. I mean, as long as it's not like torture of my family, you know, it's going, uh, I'm staying away from my own, uh, my own sets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I'd go with the eyeball too. Um, you've got two of them, you know, so, Hey, yeah. and, uh, and patches, you know, anybody with a patch on looks pretty cool, you know? Oh yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of like the pirate life. Um, okay. Fast rope versus rappel. You picked fast rope. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, obviously rappel, uh, it's a little bit, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of leaning towards that for a second, just because, you know, that can be different, uh, uh, not platforms, but different terrain, right? So you're coming off yeah. of a rappel for buildings, mountains, things of that nature. Fast rope is kind of, uh specific to you know helicopters and you know stuff like that but at the same time a helicopter gets you where you're going so that's any platform anywhere at any time so that's why i went eventually went to fast rope yeah i I look at fast rope as like the fast expedient way um for sure to get in um rappelling when i talk about platforms i never liked rappelling out of a fucking helicopter i thought it was like what the when you have fast rope as a choice you know um the repel part seems to become a little odd, but yeah. I do yeah, like your a, point. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a mountaineer by any means. I did go to ranger school, and and that's one you know that's one of my memories from ranger school is repelling off uh, one of the sides of the mountain and it being a sunset and just having that view. So yeah. that's why I was kind of leaning to. I was like, it's kind of nice, kind of uh, you know scenic in in a way, but at the same time, operationally, can't go wrong with fast rope. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And for those listening, the reason I threw it out there is just an opportunity to kind of get a little inside military stuff but a fast rope literally is this big thick rope the kind that you probably used to climb in your gymnasiums um kind of sort of like that you hook it in to the helicopter you throw it out the door uh and then you literally use it as like a fireman pole uh down onto your target or wherever you're going whereas rappelling is a little more technical i mean you really gotta know what you're doing you're putting a harness on you got hardware uh, you're clipping in, clipping out. You got people. I mean, people are always managing both of these. They're hearse masters and whatever they call it these days. But um, yeah, there's a lot more to it. Um, but yeah, rappelling is far more utilitarian, right? You can use it, like you said, oh, yeah. in urban environments, rural environments. Uh, it's more recreational. 
Hey everyone, I have a new 50% off promo code for you. It is CYSTP50 at factormeals.com. Factor sent me a bunch of no prep meals that I really enjoyed for my lunch. The Factor meals were a perfect solution for me for fast premium options with no cooking required. I strongly recommend giving them a try and I have a 50% off promo code if you do. Factor meals taste great and are no prep, no mess. So they're ready to heat and eat with no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I also really enjoyed the wellness shots. Take advantage of this 50% off. Head to factormeals.com slash CYSTP50 and use code CYSTP50 to get 50% off. That's code CYSTP50 at factormeals.com slash CYSTP50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Wound versus kill. You picked wound. Yeah, wound is, uh, you know, listening to some of your other podcasts. I know some of your other, uh, you know, guests kind of go with uh, the <laughs> capture side, which obviously there's, uh, you know, pros and cons to it. You know, obviously when you take in, a, you know, some type of capture, I mean, you are taking care of that individual, uh, you know, if you're abiding by Geneva Convention and the, and things of that nature. But at the same time, you know, intel is is huge. Uh, the more intel you have, the better your life is going to be uh, in, a, in, a, in a variety of ways. So that's why I kind of lean to it now, because I am kind of getting into that space now to where the more information, more knowledge you have, uh, the better off uh, you'll be in a situation. No, that's great. That's a great point. I like that. You didn't add waterboarding in. I don't, where does that fall into this? Uh, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> which I don't I actually, I, I feel like I'm waterboarding my daughter sometimes when I'm giving her a bath, uh, just because we haven't got down the fact that she needs to tilt her head a certain way. And but how at old the is same she? Time, uh, uh, she's about to be two. Oh, yeah, okay, so, so yeah, she's still young. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not giving my. Yeah, she's not like in her <laughs> teens to where I'm giving her a bath. No, she's uh, she's a toddler still. Yeah. Um, yeah, I and I, I kind of picked wound because the psychology of it, right? In the sniper world, there's uh, yeah that you always see in Hollywood and everything. It's all about kill, kill, kill. Um, but wound, like psychologically, for uh, especially if that force is sitting right there, you uh, you shoot somebody in the leg and have them screaming and yelling and laying there, and then you draw out his buddies to come uh, help him. And then you shoot a couple of them in the leg. Now you got three or four guys laying there screaming and yelling. It'll ruin morale. It's uh, oh yeah, kill is almost too easy. It's like you wound them. They're screaming. They're yelling. They're dying slowly, and the uh, the rest of the people they're with um, start to go. Whoa! I don't want to. I don't want to go out there. I might get shot. Any kind of doubt you can put in your adversary's mind is always a good thing. And uh, anyway, yeah, wound. I like it. Um, forgiveness versus permission. You know, I know this is a good, it's always a saying in our world, especially. And uh, everyone always picks forgiveness. But 
go ahead and give us your reasoning. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's one of my slogans in life, and and it's something that I've been teaching my wife ever since we met. Because uh, she, I mean, she'll probably watch this eventually. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to say. You're so like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, honey, I I'm want not, yeah, yeah, I want you to ask for permission, but I'm going to ask for forgiveness. You really can't yeah, do like that. Uh, well, especially, you know, I tell her this all the time for a job and because um, she works for the federal government. And uh, and that's the thing is, you know, especially when it comes to competent people, uh, there are a lot of uh, things that hold you back. And if you have sound justification and you and I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, the 100 percent truth all the time. But at the same time, if you're in a good position and know what's best for that particular situation, might as well just do it and then ask for forgiveness later because uh you know, we live in a very, uh, you know, special in the military, federal government's very bureaucratic. If we waited for uh, permission, uh, yeah, if we waited for permission, we'd be waiting a long time and nothing would ever get done. So I'd say always ask for forgiveness. Yeah, just push, push through and make sure you take down the lessons learned if it's a total screw up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. We've got uh, sniper versus tank. And these are kind of like a mentality, right? um yeah you pick sniper yeah so and that's the thing is i was never ever get uh never ever get over to sniper school but i do definitely you know when i marksmanship is a big thing for me especially with just a m4 or something like that and you can use that as a sniper platform almost uh oh, yeah. obviously not not the distance but you know the same principles apply uh you know and it goes back to that psychological uh you know when you're wounding you know if you don't know uh you know, it's just something very surgical and precise about sniper operations and and that brings that psychological factor because i know for sure i mean other than ieds snipe and then also tow missiles because uh, that's another thing uh snipers was another you know thing that was on the back of my mind anytime we were out doing stuff <clears throat> yeah yeah and i think too as far as mindset like sniper is more of a it's more thoughtful it's more surgical you know it's uh it's definitely more phase timeline task oriented um mm -hmm. where the tank mentality is just like look you know let's just push through it get it done you know yeah. not too worried about consequence you're just kind of just driving through the target and you uh you have the comfort of knowing you're in you know a very armored vehicle and uh you'll probably be all right but um yeah i think i'd lean yeah definitely towards more of the sniper mindset um yeah. So now the four-year-old version of you, right? Play with your poop or uh, poop on a friend. You chose poop on the friend. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think if I was playing with my poop, then um, you know this would be kind of a different discussion. I mean, I don't I don't know if anybody would say uh, play with their own poop. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's, plus it's funny to poop on your friend, right? I mean, not saying that I've ever done it, but at the same time, I'm sure if someone does it, you know, within a certain setting, it might yeah. be funny. It, it might it's yeah. yeah i think i think it's uh i got two little caveats to that so like the for my when i went through in the in the navy you go through corman school which is the navy's mm -hmm. medic and it's basically this cheesy three-month emt basic course uh and when you're done probably the the probably the best part of it is you actually go to a hospital and you actually play the role of uh basically a candy striper because they don't let yeah. you do much right you don't have much education but you're uh but i ended up in the mental ward of the hospital i was working at it was the most entertaining place 
And there was this guy named Mr. Tate. Mr. Tate was a little old man who'd gone crazy. And he would play with his poop all day, every day, mm. any opportunity he had. And in fact, when you would come in his room, you literally had to come in the best ninja you could be because he would throw his poop at you, mm. right? And that was like his thing. And he'd laugh and he thought it was funny. And uh, he literally was an old man, but he was acting like a four-year-old. And then, well, uh, I mean, <clears throat> it's better poop than some other uh, bodily fluids. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, urine first, poop second. And then, you know, obviously, if I'd never would like to have another man's uh, sperm. Reproductive on, you know, fluid. Yeah, yes. reproductive so, fluid. On. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You poop. got the second best option out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Play with the poop. Be like Mr. Tate. Um, and then poop on a friend. Now, this is going to be a little odd to people, but uh, in one of my platoons, we had this ongoing bet that, you know, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you could poop on my face. Now, mm -hmm. if you use some of our medical knowledge, right, we know that we can prevent that, right, by you blow on the butthole. If, you, if someone's hovering over your face and this is a hazing session and they're about to poop, all you got to do is blow on their butthole <laughs> and they won't be able to have a bowel movement. Yeah. It's like yeah. the part of the whole vagal nerve, right? So can you, you want to yeah. expand is on it, the You're talking about the anal wink? Yeah. It just yeah. shuts it down. So it, yeah. right? it clamps it shut. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got off on a that's, tangent. Never mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why medicine's so important. You know, make sure you don't get <laughs> <Yeah>. pooped on. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm sure in your, I don't know, has 18 Delta changed from when I went through to when you went through with the prostate checks with your buddy sitting next to you in class? <laughs> Funny you say that, because uh, I actually went through uh, back in 2012 when I was in the Q course and yeah. then fell out in trauma two. And then that's how I became a weapon sergeant and then went ah. back through recently after uh, spending time in fifth group. And yeah, they actually... <laughs> They changed the protocols because there was one particular class. And so I got the first time I was there, I got the full, the full show. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. and, and the full experience, which I still remember vividly to this day <laughs> and, yeah. and going back through, uh, you know, that was one of the things on my mind. I was like, are they going to make me go through this as a tab guy? You know, I mean, it's obviously it's beneficial to a certain extent. You know, no one our age really is looking to get our prostate checked at this time. You know, that doesn't come until, you know, later. But at the same time, uh, when I went back through, they had gotten rid of it. And it was because one particular class uh, complained about it. And so wherever it went up the chain and then eventually got written out of the curriculum. Yeah. So, no, they do not do that anymore. They also don't do GI tubes anymore on each other, which was another kind of you know, write a passage that you do, sort of speak. Yeah, um, no, I remember and, um, clearly. Yeah, so there's a lot. I mean, I mean, I hate to say it, but there's some some stuff in the curriculum that's kind of softened up just because of complaints from the students. And yeah. I'm not woke. saying that it's wokeness, yeah. right? It's, fuck, yeah. it's fucking. I'm wokeness. not saying that. Um, you know, digital rectal exams are the most pertinent thing <laughs> that a, that a medic has to do. But at the same time, it was in there for for a reason. I'm assuming, <laughs> and so just the fact that it got taken out, you know, is a little weird. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, which one? Now, while we're on that topic, which one was most uncomfortable? Truly uncomfortable? Putting the tube mm -hmm. through your nose and down into your stomach, or prostate check? So I. The funny thing about that, I had complications on both. So the GI tube, it went down my uh, trachea the first time. So it went through my vocal cords. And oh, so man. I couldn't talk. And then as I was trying to talk, you know, it's that 
it's a very strange, like raspy feeling in your throat. And also you can't breathe. So that's not good either. Uh, but I didn't throw up, which is a good thing. So, and then when it came to the DRE, <clears throat> the guy was so nervous because the instructor came over and was looking over his head that he started, you know, when you're inserting into the, uh, you know, the anus, you're supposed to rotate your finger to do that 360 check. Well, he was doing it super fast. So he was doing like this. <laughs> I just um, want to get it over with. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I, I want to have to use the political correct, you know, political correct term. He was doing a native American burn on me. Right. To where it was like really fast and I could feel a little bit of friction. And I was like, ah. and then finally the instructor was like, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa slow down. And Oh, <laughs> cause I remember what it was. Uh, the instructor, he was very, um, well known for if you didn't have your finger up to the certain distance that he liked, he would come and take your hand or your arm and physically, you know, jab it up there. And so I looked to the guy before, you know, we were doing the DRE and I was like, look, man, I don't care what you have to do. Do not let him come over and jam your finger further up my butt. So that's why like <laughs> all those things kind of, you know, together just made him a little nervous, but at the same time. So like I said, I had two different complications, but I'd say, I'd say worst thing. I would, I would have to say DRE. I know for a lot of guys, it, it probably is the GI tube. And I'm not saying that was uh, pleasant yeah. either, but I think no. I would probably uh, do the DRE over. Uh, sorry, I would do the GI tube over uh, rather than the DRE. Yeah. DRE, everyone, that's your prostate check. Just uh, mm -hmm. yeah. What does that yeah. stand for? Digital rectal exam. So digital go. being your go. finger and then, yep. yeah. Uh, well, there you go, everyone. I don't, I don't know if you wanted to know that information, but uh, now yeah. you got it. Well, now and, you uh, do. Yeah. And now what, the new age now, speaking of prostates for you guys, I think it's kind of bumped down. It used to be 50. Now it's down to 45 or something like that, right? Oh, really? I think yeah. so, yeah. I mean, I'm, a, <clears throat> I'm assuming that uh, for whatever, re you know, just like anything else, you know, the age just or the, the numbers keep, you know, kind of broadening out, especially with like blood pressure. That number's different now. You know, high blood pressure isn't considered uh 140 over now it's considered i think 130 it might be even 120 uh if you're over 120 they'll consider your high blood pressure for whatever reason whether that's pharmaceutical based or that's you know crazy. what else but yeah that's yeah. pharmaceuticals that's big farm <laughs> trying to fucking make you take every drug um okay moving on boy that was good i like that one. all right um hump it in or jump it in and you uh you picked hump it in because it's the most familiar yeah. yeah explain what humping is by the way yeah so humping uh <laughs> the other version is uh yeah when you got a rucksack on your back and you just uh you know carrying that in and and like i said i actually had a slot for halo uh in the q course and that's when they were starting to try to put halo on the end of the q course uh back in the day and actually i think it's well for a time there it was uh steady steady numbers and i think it's dwindled now for probably budgetary reasons among other things but uh yeah, getting di didn't get it because of my vision at the time. And then so never had a chance to do it. So going back to what I'm familiar with, which is putting a rock on my back and carrying that in. And and like I said, it's not fun. And at no point in time has it ever been fun for me. But at the same time, uh, uh, you know, I got to I got to stick to my roots, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Jumping in a bunch of gears, you know. It's cool, but it's not that cool. Um, enlisted versus officer. Enlisted. Yeah. 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 So uh, <laughs> you're an enlisted and that's guy, the thing. right? Yeah. And I uh, I had my degree coming in, so I could have gone officer route, but I chose to, um, you know, one, it would have put 
years on on the time that I could have gone to the Q course because <clears throat> I came in as an X-ray uh, with an 18 X-ray contract, which you know is the contract uh, civilians can sign to at least give you a spot at selection once you're done with basic training in airborne school. And then um, and then yes, but I chose enlisted because <clears throat> just like with a lot of things in life, it's better to get your hands dirty with that subject matter and then if you want to you know be more of a supervisor thinker type of role later on and that's that's all good too uh but at the same time there's just something about having that experience you know getting your hands dirty first before before you start doing that type of stuff <clears throat> yeah i'm with you and in our community the enlisted run the show anyway our oh, yeah. officers well, they're are supposed to yeah. yeah they're supposed to i don't know if it's anymore but during my time we ran it i mean your senior enlisted guys run the show and uh you're real quick to always remind the officers that the root word of officer is office so shut the fuck up mm -hmm. um <laughs> all right danger close versus avoid danger and i know this is a tough one for people especially uh with what we're going to be talking out and what you're doing now that you're out avoid danger was your choice yeah yeah, so funny thing about that, you know, as a weapon sergeant, I actually dealt with mortars. So Danger Close is kind of a, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, something a little near and dear to my heart because I actually did enjoy mortars. Maybe one of the few Bravos who did. But um, but yeah, so it's, but yeah, from this subject matter of speaking uh, in self-defense and then just in military operations uh, in general, as I got older anyway, uh, avoiding danger is always the best course just because there's always going to be danger out there. Uh, and you'll sometimes get into it no matter what you do. So if you can't avoid it, avoid it. And then but there probably will come a day where you can't avoid it and then you'll have to deal with it. But at the same time, I never recommend, you know, just falling into danger uh, haphazardly. So it's best to stay away from it. <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially once, you know, really what you, you grow up, right? No matter what, you have different phases of your life when you're a kid, there's a moment when you realize, okay, that's stupid. I probably shouldn't do it. And then, yeah. you know, when you're a teenager, it's a different thing, but it's the same thought process. And then when you get into the military, you know, you kind of go through your phase. You're like, yeah, fuck it. And then you kind of, you know, break a leg and go, yeah, that probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah. And you, uh, you learn, right? You just keep learning. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm probably like, I definitely lean. I'm a, I'm a risk taker, but uh, yeah, these days it's like, eh got to weigh it out especially uh yeah. especially with the crazy people out there yeah well that's that's definitely the key there is as long as you're mitigate you know you're weighing the risk and 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 yeah at least you know considering it and then you can still you know if the risk is something you still want to take then take it but make sure you're considering you know what the risk actually are <laughs> yeah no doubt so let's dig into you all right the rapid fire is over now we're going to roll into a little bit of past present future with you and everything you got going on mm -hmm. um what led you what led you to the military yeah so uh honestly so growing up never had any um you know it wasn't my goal to join the military uh i actually had a stigma about the military i still kind of do in some ways but at the same time uh you know, I looked, uh, especially because, you know, for me, the military, uh, my exposure to it was like JRTC at school or something. And I would just look at those guys and be like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dorks. So, you know, very judgmental. It's like the kids. Yeah. It's like the kids that wear their Boy Scout uniform to school. You're kind of like, Dude, <laughs> yeah. don't do that. Yeah. 
yeah yeah and 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 that's the thing is you know so once i I went to college and uh it was around my junior year that i realized because i was going there for extra sports science and i realized i didn't want to be a a personal trainer all my life you know that's a that's a pretty decent job but at the same time i wanted something more purposeful you know something more fulfilling uh that that i would that i would find anyway and so around my junior year in college i called up a marine recruiter and this is how naive i was and i was like hey i want to be a marine sniper and he was like all right well you know <laughs> come down to sign office. a dotted line <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thankfully like i just called him and i don't remember why i never really followed up on it but i didn't and i went ahead and finished out which i knew i was going to finish out my degree and uh, i think that's what i told him i was like hey i still want to graduate college i just this is what i'm looking for uh, and then as i'm graduating college my focus kind of adjusted a little bit to where i started uh hearing about human trafficking and sex trafficking and so that was what i wanted to get into but i knew that i couldn't i mean now I know I could go into the FBI or something like that straight out of college. But at the same time, I wanted to get a little bit of more hands-on experience. So I thought about just local law enforcement. And at the time, uh, probably still is the case, uh, you know, I applied for Durham Police Department in North Carolina and because uh, that was pretty heavy in crime. And I wanted to go to the place that, uh, you know, that that I would get the most action at, so to speak. Danger and, crimes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, too, my, my one of the personal trainers at the gym that I went to, uh, he was an army uh, reservist. And he just happened one day. Uh, my mom told him that I was thinking about the military and law enforcement. And he uh, wanted to talk to me one day. And he was like, yeah, have you ever heard of the Green Berets? And quite honestly, I, I, I hadn't. You know, I, I never watched the movie uh, with uh, John Wayne, even though my dad was a huge John Wayne fan. I never... Uh, you know, I watched the news quite a bit, but for whatever reason, I never really uh, heard him. I mean, obviously, it probably was sp- spoke about in general, like special operations or spe- special forces. But yeah, I mean, as soon as he told me about it, I was like, yeah, that actually does sound pretty cool. And then I started doing a little bit more research. <clears throat> and then just by uh, so I actually did start speaking to a recruiter and then the recruiter was getting up his paperwork. But I was at the same time still in the process with Durham Police Department. And uh, and then here's a little bit of my naiveness coming up again. When I got my conditional offer with them, I showed up in plain clothes instead of business casual because I thought it was just me signing paperwork and leaving. I didn't realize it was a more formal process. And then once that happened, they kind of cut ties with me. And then my only option was, well, at the time, uh, you know, the the military. And so I took the military and thankfully it was the better decision. I think I have a better life for it. And um, so, yeah, I took that 18 x-ray contract, uh, got my, uh, went to basic training six months later, back in 2011. And then after basic training airborne school, then I went to selection, got selected in February of 2012. Nice. And um, I got a question for you. So you, have you ever heard of Rambo? Yeah, actually, well, I will say this. I'm one of the few <laughs> like, Green Berets that has not watched that movie fully. You've never watched any of the get... Rambo movies? Mm-hmm, I know. And, and but did weird. you know who Rambo was when before? Like when somebody said, hey, have you ever heard of Green Berets? Well, I, I knew Rambo. I just didn't know he was an ex-Green Beret. So that's uh, okay. the thing is I, yeah. I knew who Rambo was. I just thought he was a guy, you know, in the woods just, you know, hacking people up. Uh, but that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what Green Berets yeah. do, right? <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, the thing about me too is I actually stay away from uh, modern military movies or, or anything like that just because, um, you know, I like World War II era type stuff. But at the same time, when it comes to modern uh you know depictions of of modern war I, I don't know i just stay away from it it's just 
you know, it's not that, you know, I don't, you know, cause I never saw, uh, what's that movie? Uh, it's about a fifth group going in at the beginning of, um, Oh, 12 horsemen or something. Yeah. The 12, ho- 12 Damn horsemen, it. something horse. Yeah. They're something like that. Yeah. But you know, I've never seen that. And obviously that's like the most, uh, you know, the most modern green beret movie. I think, I don't think anything else has come out, but yeah, I kind of just stay away from it. But at the same time, yeah, I knew who Rambo was. I just didn't know he was a green beret <laughs> at the time. And, All right. Just yeah. checking. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, so you roll in, you go through boot camp, you get to Q course. We kind of touched on that. Um, what do you think? Was Q course? Uh, did you find it difficult, or what was your overall kind of thoughts on it? What was uh, the hardest? Nec- what was the hardest part for you? I mean, obviously, it was stressful knowing that I, I, it was my worst nightmare to fill out and go to the regular army. And I'm not saying that every unit in, in the regular army is bad. I know there's some good units out there with some good leadership and, and good <laughs> yeah. soldiers. But at the same time, for me, being who I was at the time and still kind of am, like I knew my personality would not would not mesh with that type of stuff. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know it's kind of it's probably the case for a lot of us, which a lot of civilians I talk to about this, they find it weird that I'm not really uh, I don't take well to authority or like you know, direct orders. And they're like, Oh, but you're in the military. I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, where I was at, you know, we had direct orders coming down and I had to abide by my leadership. But at the same time, there was a little bit of conversation there. If, if only it was me having a complaint, them shutting it down and then me having to go along with it. At least it was that, at least I had the option to, you know, state my complaint. But for the most part, uh, I just have this, uh, it's just something about when people tell me something to do and I'm like, yeah, you know what? No, I'm not going to, you know, whatever it is. So I definitely have this, like, um, you know, I don't really yeah. go well with authority. And so that's why, like, when it comes to the Q course, <clears throat> it was very stressful because that was always in the back of my mind. And I'd say, you know, obviously the Q course as a whole does have moments of like, it's difficult in that, in that moment in time. And, 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 you know, they tell you that in the Q course to where, you know, it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So obviously whatever the next, next tech task is ahead of you, that's what you're focused on. And don't worry about what's coming on after, after that, obviously, you know, that, that will come when it comes. And so I'd say for the most part, you know, looking at, looking at it as a whole, it is a very difficult course. It absolutely is. But when you do take it in slices and you do understand the task in front of you, it, it makes it a lot easier. Now, with that being said, the long story short, the medic course is absolutely uh, probably the hardest part of the course, just because not only is it technical, but it's stressful. And then not only that, but then you have to learn all this information that uh, that the other MOSs don't have to learn. And it's longer and it's more grueling. And, and just that whole process and everything kind of encompassed together makes it a little bit more difficult than the rest of it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. 18 Delta is no joke. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's easy to fail out or it's easy to make a mistake, in, especially in uh, uh, different phases where sometimes you're just kind of at the mercy of the guys around you um, or the goat, you know, <laughs> so or, you the, know. or the instructor, then, uh, you know, or the instructor. instructor. Instructor roulette is a thing, and yeah, uh, yeah and that's, it is. And actually, go, yeah, going through the second time, that's where a lot of that stress wasn't there anymore, is because I wasn't afraid of the instructors anymore because they were my peers. I mean, I didn't know a lot of them personally, but at the same time, 
you know, a lot of them had gone through it at the same time I did in the Q course. So really, I was just there to learn and, and to perform. And I didn't have that extra, uh, you New know, guy. making sure that I was, you know, impressing the instructors or not getting on their bad t side. Because that's the thing is, once you're on their bad side, there's oh, yeah. really no getting around it. So, yeah, you know, that, that's that's the thing going back through the second time. It was, you know, that that wasn't there anymore. <clears throat> Um, one of the things I like to ask everybody is, uh, like scariest, crazy survival moment you've had. It doesn't necessarily have to be while you're in the military or anything of that sort, but yeah. just a moment where you're like, holy crap, that was close yeah. or that sucked. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm going to, I won't be too much of a, a Debbie Downer, but you know, my actual personal experience i i've been pretty lucky when it's when it's come to stuff that that i deal with personally but uh you know back in 2014 actually when i was graduating from the q course i had just graduated in october and i was on leave and then it came around uh christmas and my dad ended up going to the hospital um because he was having a hard time breathing and so uh, when he finally did go to the hospital, I went in with him. And then long story short, he had congestive heart failure. I think he, well, he had kidney failure as well, which the doctors at the time really didn't tell us any of that. Um, and he ended up passing away right in front of me. And I remember those moments of, you know, obviously leading up to it in the time that he was passing away and just thinking to myself, like, you know, one, I wasn't a graduate of the medic course, not saying I could have done anything anyway, because we're at a hospital and there's uh, officials who can handle that. But at the same time, just that, uh, just that inability to actually do something directly that would help my dad and then relying on other individuals. And this is a small hospital that happens to be pretty, almost, you know, it's close to Bragg. It's only, uh, I think it's a two hour drive because I have some family down there. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I watched him as he was taking his last breaths. And I just remember like, you know, the, the weird, the weirdness of knowing what's happening, me not being able to do anything about it. And then just like, you know, me being a bystander at that point. And, 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 the, you know, the last thing I was able to say to him was, you know, I knew that this could be his last moment. So I, I made sure because he was starting to fade off and he was starting to, his head was starting to fall and I yelled his name. So he would look at me and he did. And so I was able to tell him that I loved him and stuff like that. But I'd say like, you know, that is kind of the focal point of my life to where, you know, when it comes to trauma or, you know, a crisis or anything like that, like I said, I, don't, I haven't really had anything that's been life-threatening to me, sort of speak to where, you know, I've really looked at it as a severe moment, but uh, obviously the passing of my dad is something that has really resonated with me at the time. And then even, even now still, and it is something that I speak about a little bit in the book, just, you know, just as dealing with grief and, and, and things like that. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's definitely one of those moments I've, uh, I've had the same and, um, there's a lot of ways people can go. And, uh, I gotta say my mom and dad both went probably the better of options, right? You, mm -hmm. you cancer is so prevalent and people that go that route, I, I feel for their family because everyone goes mm -hmm. through the cancer together and it's slow and it's destructive and, you know, all the way down to where they're just skin and bones laying in a bed and, you know, sitting in hospice, you know, yeah. um, and they don't even get to make a choice on when they get to go. And, um, yeah, so I, I mean, for, you know, my, my parents, they, they both took like a much shorter route. So <laughs> I'm like, man, I want that route. I don't want to do the cancer route. <laughs> yeah. And if I get cancer and, and the to the point where I'm stumbling, that's when I'm going to just, you know, 
yeah, I'm just going to go and grab my shoot and go uh go to one of these uh, skydiving places and then i'm just gonna go head first all out you know yeah. 220 yeah. miles an hour yeah because that's the thing i was actually there when my my dad's mom passed away too and she passed away in her sleep but she she had lung cancer and then it went to her brain and then uh my mom's mom just recently passed from um uh, copd and but it was in her sleep and and that's the thing i started really thinking about it because my and then my granddad he passed away from complication dementia he pretty much couldn't eat anymore because it it was like i think it was one of those like i can't remember what the the actual name of it is but it's that really severe form of dementia where you just like comes on really quickly and then you just don't eat uh just because i guess your brain function is, is just completely deteriorated but then i started really thinking about like what's the percentage of people who actually die in their sleep peacefully right and so it's like it's like man there's a lot of people that have this grueling route to death whether it's trauma related or not and um and you know i'm not saying to think about it as like you know something to dread but at the same time it's just something i thought about and i was like man there's you know you really do hope that your loved ones go through a very peaceful death and that it's you know something that you know because that's the last moments of their life you know and 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 not knowing you know what is after this and stuff like that i've always you know and that's why i wanted that last moment for him to know that and and i hate it too because i always wondered like in his mind when i yelled his name and said what i said was he thinking go get someone you know I'm, I'm dying here or was he actually like thankful that i was saying that but at the same time i knew that you know in that moment uh you know i wanted him to know that someone was there with him uh while he's passing and you know obviously i called out for help but they took their sweet time a little bit getting there um because he was in the icu at that time and they were just down the hall uh and they actually did bring him back uh but he was unconscious and then ended up coding again so he was never awake again so that was his last moments but yeah it's just uh like i said i <clears throat> i don't think about life and death too often but at the same time um uh, you know there are a lot of individuals that um you know that don't have that peaceful death that you hope for and especially for your loved ones that is something that you that you wish for yeah no doubt no doubt and then as far as life and death what do you think you think uh what are we gonna we uh and become rabbits and just do what rabbits do forever or what do, so, what do you think <laughs> my granddad was a, a methodist uh preacher so yeah i grew up methodist and i still hold those beliefs and and i'm not saying that at times i don't have you know uh that i don't really think about it and think like certain things uh, you know don't seem rational or um you know because obviously there's a lot of stories from the bible that you think like man that was just a, a story that someone told someone to so they wouldn't do bad stuff you know but at the same yeah. time you know you gotta you gotta be a little bit of an optimist i think you gotta think that there is something on the other side because truly if life is random then that's that's pretty random that this has all happened right and that it is designed in this in this manner um and 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 that we have you know especially for humans that we have this ability to have purpose and we have this ability to actually create change and 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 real goodness and and stuff like that like for that to be random is kind of strange but then also you can argue hey humans do bad things and they do really really terrible things and how can a god exist to to do that and so without getting too philosophical you know i i would say that i am <clears throat> first and foremost a christian i do hold those beliefs but at the same time you know there are moments that i have just like anybody else where i'm like man there's so much you know stuff i hear about that you know i gotta wonder but at the same time i try to stay optimistic 
Yeah, I certainly do the why. Like, why would you put a pedophile on this planet? It's like, what the fuck sense does oh, that yeah. make? Um, yeah, I just think they're and bad mosquitoes souls. And ticks. <clears throat> just yeah, that too. You know, I just yeah. think there's souls, and this, there's good souls, there's bad souls, and they inhibit bodies and they do stupid shit. Um, yeah. Deployments. What kind of deployments did you rack up? Yeah, so I only got two um, two to Syria during uh, the conflict with ISIS. Um, my first one could have been really great and it ended up being, uh, it was actually at the time where there's supposed to be 30 man bog and country. So we kept getting in, kept getting kicked out because we were, uh, there's obviously other people in the country <clears throat> and we were actually attached with- uh, uh, Was that because the Russians? The Russians were in the country or what? No, it was just, uh, I think at the time, Obama just didn't want to uh, make it seem like that the U.S. had uh, too much of a presence there. Oh, and so okay. we were we were just doing the advising role, and so it. to speak. And and so we, um, but yeah, we were kind of attached on as, as a, we had a mission, but at the same time, it was more to boost the security in that area. And uh, politically, we kind of got held back. And then, um, but there was, and then we actually missed a, a pretty huge offensive uh, so the team that uh, replaced us got to have that. And then we ended up replacing them when we came back. So we had the same region, but the offensive was already over. So we were just kind of maintaining what was already uh, what had already been gained. And uh, which a lot of that offensive obviously was done by the local populace anyway, the indigenous people. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, obviously U.S. was just kind of advising, planning and, and doing all the military uh, work, so to speak. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, I. So, and that aspect is, you know, pretty typical when it came down to, we were also training guys, uh, you know, like I said, going through basic training uh, over there to make sure, because every time a village got, uh, um, what's the word? Every time, you know, uh, Terrorized. new air, well, <laughs> no, no, the opposite. Anytime oh. like, uh, um, like liberated, there we go. Anytime the uh, a village was liberated, they would pull in those recruits, put them in our school, and then they would be sent back out to, to fight uh, in whatever capacity. But, you know, thankfully, we were able to train instructors. So their own people started instructing them, and we just kind of oversaw the, the uh, school itself. So that gave us time to do more missions on the side instead of being stretched thin and doing that whole split team operation type stuff. So uh, so, I mean, it was, it was a very good experience. Uh, I wouldn't trade for anything. Actually, I, I loved being in Syria. I liked it over there because uh, we were, you know, out in the country in Syria. We we're actually, uh, you know, on the water. So we were we were there, um, had a nice little house we were a part of. And, and I enjoyed my time over there. Um, and then when I and it was actually my second deployment that I was speaking to my medic. Um, and because I was always trying to help him out because he didn't have we ended up kind of pushing our senior medic out. And so it was just him. And uh, so I was always helping him out with medic stuff because I always, you know, that was something always in the back of my mind to where, you know, I wanted to be a medic and I wanted to kind of redeem myself in, in that failure that I had. <clears throat> and so I was always helping him out because uh, he didn't have any help. And then eventually he was the one who told me that he recommended I would, you know, go and reclass because he was talking about, because I wanted to go, go back, go to sniper school, something like that. He was like, look, man, you know, that that can be done at any time. But, you know, you want to go back and, uh, you know, get that reclass because you'd be so much more valuable to the team. And and really, and I knew that for a fact, because, you know, as uh, there's three Bravos on the team, me and two other guys, and we were always fighting for spots uh, to go on mission. And then him as the medic, he goes on every single on, every single mission because you have to have that medical support. And then right. also the thing about that is when you're in garrison, 
as the Bravos were running around with our heads cut off, trying to get ranges set up and this, that, and other, I would always look to him. He'd be sitting at the team table eating Taco Bell for breakfast. And I was like, man, that's the life where you eat Taco Bell for breakfast. And then you get on every single mission while we're out on deployment. And, it, you know, and that's <laughs> and not saying that that's truly how it is on a team, but, at, you know, for uh, at the time, that's what it was for him. And um, so, yeah, that that's what got me to to want to go back and reclass. And so as I was leaving out, they were going back on on deployment. So I kind of missed out on that on that third one. And then from there, once I reclassed, I ended up meeting my now wife. And and I knew right then and there, I was like, you know, I can't really deploy anymore because I do. She ruined your entire army yep. career. She yes. ruined my career. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> the thing is, you know, she actually has a very good career. So I knew right then and there, I was like, I'm not going to uproot her or try to get her to change uh, her career on my behalf. Uh, her pay grade is well about, you know, well above mine. So I decided yeah. to become a, you know, housewife, so to speak, actually using my GI Bill and, and join the National Guard. So yeah, getting educated while you did it. So you, uh, yeah, you yeah. get out, and um, I saw you got an MBA. And mm -hmm. but let's you know take some time and focus on you got a book. Yeah, got a right. book. It's out or it's coming out. Yeah, it's actually I just sent over the manuscript uh, Monday. So uh, they are now working on the uh, book. Uh, sorry, book cover and format. So hopefully within by September that'll be coming out. <clears throat> Oh, nice. And uh, so yeah. tell us, what's this book going to be about and uh, what are people going to be able to get from it? Yeah. So <clears throat> when I first started wanting to write a book, I knew I wanted to, because I'm a very conceptual foundation type of guy. Like I'm very big on fundamentals, which a lot of Green Berets are because that's, you know, which a lot of soldiers should be because that's where everything kind of stems from. And so I wanted to write a book that if if nothing else, then uh, readers would be able to have the fundamentals to certain concepts when it comes to uh, self-defense and safety and and really some a template to be able to mold to their own, because not everybody is the same. And and uh, and I wanted to kind of put a template that keep, people can kind of follow and then also mold it their own. But as I was writing the book, it got to the point where I was like, man, this sounds more like a self-help book uh, than it does like a straight up security self-defense, you know, hand to hand punch someone in the balls type of thing. Um, and so that's, that's when I started really creating like, uh, you know, uh, part of the, you know, fight for your best life is the title of the book. And, and what that's meant to show is that one, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, the whole point of safety and security is so that you can have that best life for yourself and that you can preserve purpose because if, you know, as we know by Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if the basic needs of food, water, shelter, and safety and security aren't met, then odds are you getting to a certain point in your life where you reach self-actualization or some type of life goal, you know, that's going to be very difficult to do. Uh, so I wanted people to have this fundamental book of, hey, you know, I can, you know, get that framework, the, the, the foundation to safety and security, so then I can then move on to other stuff. And then all that kind of aligns within the books. I'm always in each section of the book, I'm always going back to people's core values or their life goals and making sure that their safety and security needs and goals align with all that. So you have complete alignment because uh, that's another thing too is, you know, there's so much out there that a lot of times we kind of put ourselves in too many situations or try to stretch ourselves too thin. And the more focused we are and the more aligned we are with everything that's going on with our life, it's just more of a harmony. And and I think uh, a better life for people, you know, when it comes down to it. Yeah. I like that. Lining safety and security with the lifestyle aspects, right? Yeah. So yeah. Can, you, yeah. can you give me an example? 
Yeah. So, so two examples, one would be, uh, you know, if, if you happen to be a runner, then maybe that is part of your safety and security to where you just run away from whatever it is. Right. And so, but within that, you know, that means that you're training running and you probably do all the time, you know, whether you're a marathon runner, sprint runner, but I want you to be like the best at it. So like, I want to make sure that, and you probably are, if, if, if that's something that you've already identified as, you know, say your life goal was to run a marathon. Well, then you have a training program for, for running. And then part of your safety and security planning is like, Hey, I know I'm a very good runner. So maybe in every you know, whatever scenario I'm training for, or not training, but preparing for like running is going to be kind of the, the focal point of that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then that at the same time, obviously, firearms too. If if you're uh, big on firearms, then that should be a focal point in your safety planning. But if you're not in the firearms, then I'm not going to go tell you to go buy a pistol or a shotgun and, and put that as your safety plan because you're not going to want to do that anyway. And so it's just more about finding the strengths and uh, people and what they're actually interested in and then just aligning that with their safety and security needs so that everything just kind of meshes together and they're not really really having a hard time, you know, because habits are hard to form, right? So um, as long as we can find something that you're interested in and then be able to kind of focus on that, I think that that gives better, you know, people a better opportunity to actually provide for their safety and security. Yeah, no, I like it. I think that's great points and focusing on people's strengths. I say it all the time. If you don't know how to use a gun, don't. It's okay. And and until you know how to use it, you know, then yeah, you can integrate it, but otherwise you're just going to end up getting yourself killed or, you yeah. know, once you pull that trigger and that bullet goes, uh, yeah, there's no putting it back in the, putting it back in the barrel. Um, yeah. so what would you recommend to, uh, you know, the housewife then as far as aligning it with, uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, I mean, not even like considering skill sets or anything, um, yeah. you know, the housewife knowing, so I'd say off the top of my head, housewives, they know the inside and outside of their their home, right? Because they're there on, on a daily basis. And I can say that for uh, as personal experience, because like I said, I've been <laughs> going to school. I've been going to school ever since I got an active duty. And um, and so, yeah, very familiar with the house, very familiar where things are. And and uh, this is something I also harp on is SOPs establishing SOPs for for the house itself, uh, whether that be a first aid kit goes here or what's in that first aid kit. And and so really, truly, when it would come down to it, the the housewife or, you know, whoever stays at the home for a certain amount of time is like, uh, I mean, perfect example almost is home alone to where, you know, something like that to where, you know, Macaulay Culkin was like the dominant figure in that house just because he knew he had you know home turf uh advantage and so that's what it comes uh uh which that's for everybody it doesn't be housewives if you live in the house you should be able to utilize all the tools and resources but at the same time i'd say that's the strength there to where you have that home field advantage and so you can have things set up in in a manner that you can use uh you know uh based off your skill sets and stuff like that and then obviously um you know for for a home intruder or something like that, uh, you know, they would be coming into it blind, uh, not knowing where things are. So they would already be at a disadvantage. Now you take that outside and and put them into an active shooter scenario. Obviously, now the the it's a little bit different. The active shooter would have a little bit more advantage because they probably did plan for it, and then the the individual in this case probably you know can't be too familiar with the situation. But at the same time, I say. 
you know, that that would be the the skill sets of the housewife or whoever is there at home for a long period of time is that they have this ability to really, um, you know, that home field advantage and 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 be able to plan out the the house for home invasions and things like that. Yeah, no, that supports. I mean, I've said it on the show and I've said it in my books and all that. It's like, you know, your blueprint better than anybody else. Keep the lights out. You know, don't feel like you got to pull out a flashlight. You know, you don't need any of that. Keep it dark and let the uh, bad guy trip and fall all night long. Um, No, that's really good stuff. And so as far as a chapter breakdown to give an idea of kind of how you did that, what what how does it flow? Yeah, so it's five sections. So section one is all about the self. So I go into understand, you know, figuring out your core values, your safety goals, your life goals. Then it also goes into like. Uh, what are your strengths and limitations? Uh, and then uh, it's just pretty much trying to understand who you are as a person so that we can better put you in a position where you are developing yourself in the best way possible. The second section is all about external factors. So it's it's introducing the analytical process of, uh, you know, really sitting down and analyzing uh, stuff in an objective manner. And so I, I depict that in the onion model to where it talks about like, uh, you know, your loved ones, bystanders, law enforcement, lawyers, and it goes all the way up to the, uh, you know, the laws that we have in place that might pertain to self-defense and things like that. Um, section three is uh, about prevention and preparation. So it just goes into the normal, hey, you know, you need a plan, you need SOPs. Uh, this is kind of how you go about it. <clears throat> and then section four is the safety event itself, or what I call safety event, which is any event that puts yourself or others at, uh, at risk of harm. Uh, and it just talks about general mindsets and concepts uh, that I kind of, you know, from my perspective of uh, one thing would be, you know, fight, flight, freeze. I just go over that a little bit just because that's a huge, that's a huge thing. And in, in these, you know, obviously in the military, we're trained that so much that, you know, not, not specifically, it's not like you're like, Hey, today, boys, we're doing fight, flight training, you know, fight, <laughs> yeah. flight, freeze training. But at the same time, that's kind of built into the programming. And then also I talk about like tactical advantage and positioning and, and things of that nature, and just the flow of an event and how to really uh, position yourself in the best case uh, to come out, uh, you know, unscathed, so to speak. And then the last little bit is the section five is the aftermath. And it just talks about grief, survival's guilt, and not saying that I have, you know, I'm an expert on that, because I'm not, but at the same time, I give my perspective on it. And then just kind of like, you know, knowing that, a safety event is just kind of the beginning because if you survive that and and either whether or not someone dies or not or if they're hurt you still are going to have a little bit of of stuff happening on the back end and i'd rather give a readers a little bit of a um you know exposure to that type of uh concepts uh, before it happens in real life because really awareness is, is is the key when it comes to stuff the more you're aware of things before it happens uh, the better off you'll be yeah I like the flow, man. I think that's really good. And I like that, that ending. Cause I, you're right. It's once it's all said and done, um, your life, uh, dramatically changes and oh, yeah. most people don't talk about it or even think about it. So that's, yeah. that's cool, man. I look forward to seeing that. Um, so where are, where can people find you to follow and then also purchase pre-order and or put purchase the book? So the book is going to be mostly, you know, Amazon based. Uh, and, and then I mean, so you will be able to get like the ebook version. Uh, I think I will do ebook for for all the, you know, major platforms. And then but uh, if you want to purchase a physical copy, I think Amazon is going to be best place for that. 
Uh, now, when it comes to get in touch with me, I do have a website up called mindshieldandspear.com. Uh, and that's uh, kind of the, because <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm trying to do like a consulting startup here uh, that will uh, build upon what the book is actually doing. And, but if if there are professionals out there that like to get in touch with me, because I do want to collaborate, because I want to bring in as many uh, perspectives as I can, because that's really where I think is, is the key when it comes to self-defense is perspective, because we all got you know, different kind of ways of doing things and, and stuff like that. Not, you know, different strokes for different folks, right? So you want to, I want to make sure that I bring everybody into the conversation. So LinkedIn is is the best place to get with me professionally. And then, um, and then also for the book itself, uh, I do have a Facebook page, uh, but at the same time, you'll get most of everything on mindshieldandspear.com. And, and I'd okay. say for the book and other resources, that'd be the best place to go. So mindshieldspear.com and then look for John Brewer on all the social platforms. Right. And and just uh, it is mindshield and spear. So I got the the and, and in and. there. Yeah. Oh, mind. Yeah. Got it. Make sure you put the and yeah. in there. Um <laughs> we'll put the links and we'll associate when uh, this goes live. All right. So now really what you're here for what I what I want you here for is to see if you can survive this podcast. So far, you're doing pretty yeah. good. But okay, uh, kind of warned oh. you at the beginning. The only right answer is the the answer right here on my on my yep. screen. Um, so, are you ready? I am. See. <laughs> you're ready. Okay. So here we go. Is how I said in Arabic. <clears throat> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. There you go. Shway 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 shway. Um, we're gonna start. Uh, yeah. This is an adventure. This one's going to be an adventure. So here we go. Mm -hmm. You order an Uber ride and hop into the car, expecting a routine trip to your destination. The driver seems friendly, and the ride starts off smoothly. The driver engages you in small talk. Do you A, engage in casual conversation with the driver, or B, keep to yourself, focus on your phone or maybe a, a book? yeah so first off i'm checking to make sure that the child lock isn't on the door so i'm going to make sure that's uh that's yeah. that, that's uh not on because <clears throat> uh thankfully i haven't been through that situation but i've heard it's happening uh but no i'm always uh, engaging in conversation and and um never especially in strange places i'm out of my phone i never take a book with me i'm not an avid reader <laughs> yeah. uh, ironically enough and so but yeah i'm i'm engaging in conversation yeah, good idea. And you, you made a great point. I mean, I, I've got a, a video series somewhere out there that uh, talks about the safety with Uber, right? You order the Uber, it's going to give you make, model, license plate, and all the good information you're supposed to be looking for. But if you're not looking for it, well, then you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, when the Uber pulls up, right? So you have far recognition, near recognition. Far recognition is make, model, color, license plate. So from the distance, you know it's yours. Near recognition is when it comes near... Now, you remain silent. Mm -hmm. They'll roll down the window, and they are supposed to say your name, okay? If they say your name, then you've just got right uniform, right place, right time, all the good stuff that we do in the military, um, and you're probably going to be okay. Now, the physical features, like John just brought up, right? It's like you got to fucking check the door. Make sure that door opens and closes freely inside and out before you actually get in it. The child locks is a big deal. It used to be a manual one on the actual uh, on the locking mechanism. 
right right there at the edge of the door when it's open but these days they're electronic um the way you can test it is this is this is great because you're testing two things at once the windows go down okay roll the window down close the door stick your arm inside and now try and open the door okay um and then, of course, once you get in, there's a big debate about whether you sit behind the driver. I like sitting behind the driver. It looks weird. It's kind of odd. But I want to be able to use his seatbelt to choke him the fuck out if he starts acting weird. Okay? Anyway, we could go on for on and on with that, but I'll stop it there. Okay, so yes, you are correct. Engage in casual conversation with the driver. Okay? This is good. You're just trying to keep it relaxed. You want to keep them relaxed. Plus, we're both humans, and the more you show that you're a human, the harder it is to hurt you. Okay. Mm -hmm. As the ride progresses, you start to notice the driver taking an unfamiliar route. Okay? Now, once again, you're looking at your phone every now and then because the route is on your phone. <laughs> and uh, it's a good reference point, making sure he's staying on route. But he starts taking weird turns, de deviates from the intended route, uh, and you get the feeling that there might be some danger, buddy. Okay? So, do you A, ask the driver, what are you doing? Or B, eh, just kind of pretend to go along with the detour and just kind of hang out. Yeah. Uh, no, I'd, I'd definitely ask, but I'd ask in a, a non-accusatory way of saying, hey, I think uh, you missed your turn or, you know, uh, uh, you know, or hey, I think the other way is faster because, you know, I, I know the route. Maybe I don't, maybe I do, but at the same time I say, hey, uh, I think this route is, is a little bit faster um, just and then see what his explanation is. And he's got an explanation. I gauge that on on how well, you know, if it's rational or not. But at the same time, uh, I definitely want to make sure that I'm not showing my hand that I'm a little suspicious of this guy, because the more I can keep him relaxed, the more I can, um, you know, kind of gain intel off of him uh, just to make sure that everything's kosher. Because yeah. also at the same time, he might just be. You know, I see uh, on my Uber Eats rides, they're always taking some crazy routes. And I'm like, why is this person going this way? Because I'm tracking them the whole time because I'm hungry, right? And, uh, and, yeah. and then, yeah, so they're going some crazy routes around. So it happens, but at the same time, it's definitely something to ask about. No, I like that. Yeah, you're dead on. Ask the driver, right? Just ask. It can be, hey, is there, do you know about construction ahead or something? Because they might actually know that hey, there's yeah. this crazy detour or an accident or something that, you know, your app isn't going to tell you about all that kind of stuff. His Google map that he might be using for navigation might be suggesting a different route because of an accident, mm -hmm. because of traffic. And you can use that to kind of uh, feel what's going on. So you ask the driver why he's going. His explanation doesn't make too much sense. The driver is now driving away from your destination at a high rate of speed, okay? So, do you A, threaten to call the cops, or B, tell them to go ahead and pull over and let you out right now? Uh, no, I'm, I, I would never show my hand unless I'm bluffing to get a reaction. So I definitely wouldn't threaten to call the cops. If I'm gonna call the cops, I'll call them and actually just put it on my lap and obviously not show him that that's what I'm doing. Because at that point in time, I don't need to talk to the cops directly. I'll just have it on my lap and say, you know, as I'm speaking to the driver, I say, hey, you're not going the correct route and then try to convey some type of narrative so the operator knows. So uh, long story short is that I uh, asked the driver to pull over and say, hey, uh, you know, you can just let me out here. I'll, you know, uh, 
I'll try to come up with a story about, unless it's just in the middle of nowhere, obviously can't be like, hey, pull me over. I, you know, I'll just, uh, my buddy said he'll meet me here. Now, if it's in an urban area, I could kind of say, hey, oh, I forgot to stop at the store or something like that. But at the same time, you know, definitely asking that, that driver stop just for, for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. The threat, threats don't, you know, don't threaten. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to do it, do it. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just remember, you know, you put it on speakerphone, turn your volume down. They can hear everything. Don't worry about what the dispatcher's asking because they'll hear it. And that's when you say, hey, Uber driver, stop and let me out. Yeah. Right? Now you got something rolling. Now you're actually – because at the end of the day, you got to look out for yourself first because 911 ain't showing up anytime soon. All right. Oh, no. uh, so, yeah, you uh, you are correct. You asked the driver to pull over. And after some time, the driver pulls over to a secluded location. Okay? Mm. Then two guys come out and grab you. Now you find yourself locked inside of a bedroom in a unfamiliar house. Your hands are duct taped in front of you and your belongings have been taken away. Okay? So, do you A, look for potential weapons or B, get out of the duct tape and set your hands free as soon as you can? Mm. <laughs> I mean, ideally, uh, hopefully it's happening at the same time. I did you know, I, I would like to to get out of the of the duct tape as soon as possible, uh, depending on there, there's a lot of things to consider. I'm going <laughs> to, of course, gonna, yeah, that's why I'm, we I'm put say, these games the way we do. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say get out of the duct tape just because one, um, I can still kind of make it look like the duct tape is there. I mean, obviously, it's going to be torn but maybe I can hide it in some way if, if they do happen to come in as I'm trying to maneuver. But at the same time, I think kind of waiting around uh, just asks for, for bad juju. And it's better to continue moving and, and trying to escape than it is to, to wait for something to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's face it. You need your hands to use whatever weapon you find. So yeah. order of precedence is get free. I like your idea. Yeah, if you can make it look like you're still kind of you know, get free, get a weapon, hide the weapon, put your hands, and then wait for your moment, um, I think is a great idea. Destroying duct tape, you know, um, you know, there's destructive ways of getting out of it, non-destructive ways. You guys have heard me talk about it. Um, getting out the easiest way is uh, you basically you're using your body as a wedge, your wrist put out in front of you at eye level, you rocket your elbows past your your ribs and uh, your body becomes this shearing wedge and literally the duct tape will shear like like as if scissors cut the tape and it uh, the testing I've done with this uh, whether it's you know three wraps or 15 wraps of duct tape uh, this technique works so once again you put you know your hands are out in front of you your thumbs are at eye level and then you rocket those elbows past your rib cage your hands are going to come in nice and they're going to basically slam against your chest uh, but it's going to shear that tape as if it was cut by a pair of scissors so there you go um all right so next do you look for potential escape routes or weaknesses in the room or b try to establish rapport with your kidnappers to gain their trust. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> well, 
Yeah. So, actually, in my book, order precedence for, um, for uh, <laughs> it goes uh, well. It's avoidance, escape, uh, neutralize, and then delay and resist. There so, so that, that that's what I'm going for. Obviously, I can't avoid anymore. I'm I'm now trying to escape. If I can't escape, I'm trying to neutralize. If I can't neutralize, I'm trying to delay and, and resist, meaning either a third party is going to come to my aid or I'm always looking for that opportunity to present itself because eventually someone's going to make a mistake. Hopefully it's not me. Hopefully it's them and, and to go about it that way. Yeah, exactly. You want to get off the X as soon as possible. If you got your hands free, common sense says, now get the hell out of there. So you are going to look for weaknesses in the room figure out escape routes, whatever you can do. Um, you do not want to hang out any longer because that duct tape is going to get replaced with handcuffs or chains or something worse. So get the hell out of there sooner the better. And you're probably going to get a, a, a little beaten for it too. To That's right. Keep you, uh, yeah. That's right. Um, so you do the right thing. You look for some potential escape routes, weaknesses in the room. You search the room. You notice loose floorboards near the window so it seems like there is a possible way out of here so do you attempt to remove the loose floorboards and escape through the opening or attempt to remove the loose floorboards and use them as a weapon when the kidnapper comes back so going back to the the order of your um, rules yes your yeah. rules so I'm, I'm trying to escape first and then if i have to neutralize second then then that's what happens <laughs> i like it you attempt to remove the the uh, loose floorboards and escape through the opening you remove them uh yeah and with great effort you manage to squeeze through okay i've been working out you've been working out it's good especially if you're doing Uber Eats all the time. Uh, <laughs> so you uh, you squeeze through the opening, making your way out of the bedroom. Okay, now this is kind of a weird house. Okay, so what do you do next? Uh, you explore through the house, looking for the exit, or just find a good place to hide? Mm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not hiding. Yeah, so um, <laughs> yeah. I'm... Depending, yeah, because if it's daytime, uh, if there's windows, there will be light coming through. So I'm looking for light sources. If it, Actually, if it's nighttime, I'm looking for light sources too, because wherever they are, they might have a light on. So it might be, uh, you know, if the door's closed, but I can see a light underneath, it might, uh, you know, give me uh, indication that, that, that that's where the uh, kidnappers are. And so uh, so that's why, yeah, I'm definitely searching through a house for a way out. Um, I definitely don't want to just stay in, in one spot. <clears throat> That's right. As you cautiously move through the house, you come across one of the kidnappers. Uh-oh. But they haven't noticed you yet. That's good. So, do you A, try to just sneak past the kidnapper and make your way outside? Or B, go ahead and confront them and hope that you overpower and kick their ass? Mm, I'm not confronting. I won't confront until they see me, so... I'm going to try to sneak past, and if they see me, then that's when I, uh, uh, you know, I'll combat them then. Yes. You are correct. You decide to try and sneak past the kidnappers and make your way outside. With careful steps, you manage to slip by the kidnappers and find yourself outside the house. Do you, A, run as fast as you can and get away from the house, or B, go to the neighbors, get a phone, 
get help? A or B? So, so depending on what horror movies you've seen, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, if you've seen The Hills Have Eyes, you maybe not want to go to the neighbors. Uh, yes, but, exactly. You know, you can always, you know, you. I'm definitely, if there's neighbors around and I can see that for sure, I'm definitely at least running in that direction. I might even wait out for a second to make sure that, hey, this isn't, you know, a the house that the kidnappers own and what I was just in is their barn or something like, you know, whatever it is. I'm making sure I do a nice little recon and, and make sure that, hey, this house is completely separate from, from what I just got into. Uh, but I do want to make sure that I am calling the proper authorities pretty, you know, I want to get resources involved uh, in, in the search for me and then on, on my way out or my escape out. So which one? Which one do you decide? You're running as fast as you can and getting away from the house or just going to the neighbors? Uh, so I'm, I'm probably going to the neighbors. <laughs> Not, maybe, okay. <laughs> and let me put this in there just in case it's wrong. Uh, yeah. I'm going, I'm not going to the, uh, I may not, if it's, I won't, I won't think this. Uh, yeah, you're, it's good. yeah. So, yeah. So, cause what it is, is if, if, you know, if this is a neighborhood, you know, obviously, uh, you know, houses are pretty stacked on each other. I could pick a variety of neighbors, right? Now, if this happens to be a secluded wooded area, which I think it is, uh, you know, they're, depending on how many houses I see, you know, if I only see the one, I'm going to the one. If I see more than one, then maybe I'm going to the furthest one I can reach to in time before I really start hearing them scrambling around for me and stuff like that. So that's a little into the weeds, but I am going to say uh, I'm, I'm going to the neighbors and, and trying to uh, establish some phone call to 911. Yes. So for this particular scenario, it is uh -huh. run as fast as you can and get away. <laughs> that's okay. For me, I'd be into the mindset um, that you know good neighborhoods bad neighborhoods yeah um i don't know if the neighbors i would use almost like this mount philosophy right remember in mount training you you contact an urban environment you're going to separate yourself by at least a building or two buildings right when yeah, you terrain feature yeah so for, i'd kind of almost like like i'd run gets get at least some distance between where you were in those because those neighbors could be buddies right yeah it's so like get yourself some distinct separation before you go to a neighbor's house but like you said if this is a rural environment you might be running miles in the first house you see then yeah you're probably okay if it's a suburban environment i'd be like fuck that i'm gonna get a couple of blocks away and then maybe ask for help but either way um your philosophy works just as well but um yeah, for this particular scenario, you run as fast as you, way, as fast as you can and get away from the house um, and skip the neighbors for now. Um, after a while, you come to a gas station and you use their phone to call police. The police arrive and provide assistance. Well done. You have survived this podcast. <laughs> and the importance of staying vigilant, and making quick decisions to survive is obviously the goal of this scenario. So congratulations. Uh, uh, out of 10, you missed one. You got a 90%, mm. so you're still doing good since you've been I'm a full-time student. still an A. Yeah. yeah, it's still an A. You're still, you know, and yeah. it helps your grade point average. Are you an A student these days or what? Uh, actually, I am. I'm way better than I was in grade school because I take <laughs> it a little bit more seriously. But, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm keeping that grade point average up. 
just for kicks and giggles because obviously it doesn't really <laughs> pertain to too much but you know just for bragging rights yeah i do yeah well good job and uh it sounds like you've got a great book coming out go ahead tell the audience the title the website and where they can find you on social mm -hmm. So title, uh, full title is Fight for Your Best Life, uh, the step-by-step self-defense guide to personal empowerment, protecting your loved ones, and living fearless. Um, and then, sorry, what was the second question? And then the website? Yeah, website is mindshieldandspear.com. Don't forget and. And then the best place Don't to worry. contact you is on John Brewer at LinkedIn. Yeah. So, so find me, uh, John, I think, um, I think I do have my, uh, junior up there. So it's John Timothy Brewer, junior, uh, I'll be, you know, let's say author, former Green Beret, MBA, that'd be the right one. If not, uh, mind shield and spear that has the links to those pages as well. Uh, and then if, um, if nothing else, then do a Facebook search, find me on Facebook. You can contact me through my personal profile. So, All right. Like that, awesome. Too. Well, hey, John, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your service. Thanks for what sounds like okay. is going to be a great book to add to everyone's safety, security, survival book collection. Um, mm -hmm. Once it's out, we'll make sure we're pushing it for you. Uh, and to the audience, like I always say, keep it simple. Crisis will complicate the rest. And until next time, be safe out there. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.